Good morning. We are so excited to be here together for worship. And I want to tell you, during this time, um, I think we could use a little bit more music. I think that really what I've learned through this time period is that, you know, I know a lot of people were really into Tiger King, but what I need is a little bit more old music. But the thing is, I don't need the old music of the classic rock. That's kind of like the Old Testament. So I, I, don't need, I don't need the Old Testament music these days. Because, you know, Ruby, my seven-month-old, she loves dancing. And if I play, like, Bob Dylan, like a Rolling Stone, I, I'm, I'm having a hard enough time in life as it is without being reminded that I'm, like, just rolling through life. No, I want to be rooted in my life. I want to be fixed. I want to be grounded. Okay. But the Beatles... Okay, the Beatles are great, but yesterday, when all my troubles seemed so far away, no thank you, I don't want that. You know what I need these days? I need the New Testament of 1980s music. That's what I need. I didn't even like, before I was a dad, I didn't even like 80s music. Then I had a dad, and Tiffany, and Madonna, and all this great stuff. But you know what I need more than anything else right now? I need a little more Don't Stop Believing in my life. I don't know about you, but I need a little more of that don't stop believing mentality. That is what I need today. I don't need those other things. That is what I need. And I will tell you that with Pentecost, life is a journey. Now, I'm not just saying life is a journey because of the man journey with don't stop believing. Life is a journey, and that is what we are seeing today. And on that journey we could really use some don't stop believing in our life. And I will tell you, the disciples today, when they met together for Pentecost, they could use some of that same thing too. They really could. Because think of this, the disciples had had a really tough time. Now you can say, well, David, that doesn't make any sense. Jesus rose from the dead. Okay, yes. But think about it for a moment. They were having the good old days, and then Jesus was arrested. They failed him. They ran away. Okay, yes, he came back. Yes, wonderful, that was great. But here's the problem. Jesus ascended to heaven, meaning Jesus left, went to heaven, no more Jesus. Okay, so the good old days were over. So they were like, wow, what are we going to do now? Oh, we have a Judas problem, because Judas had, of course, um, betrayed Christ, and so Judas was now dead, and they're like, okay, so no more Jesus right now. He told us to wait. He said he was going to send some helper. That's wonderful. Okay, however, what we need to do, we need to throw some dice and we need to pick a new disciple. They literally do that in Acts chapter 1. And so they're being willful. They're casting dice. They pick this guy, Matthias. Great. They need a little more don't stop believing in their life, and so do we. So I want to read this text together, and I want us to just really center ourselves on this reading of Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's pray together. Father, you know, in this time of so much uncertainty, so much instability, where we look around and we just question, we wonder, where we're so disturbed by things that are going on in our world, we just really ask that you would come and be the center of our lives. We ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, 
that you would continue to bring us that peace in our hearts so that we can then move forward, so that we can receive what the Holy Spirit has to offer us and move forward as a people who are not okay with being silent, not okay with complacency, but open to moving forward and listening, to moving forward and praying, to moving forward and slowing down. So we just ask in the name of Jesus that you bless us this morning. Amen. So, the text begins with the idea of they were all together. That can be kind of a hard thing to think of when you're like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? I want to be all together. It's Pentecost. I would love to be all together. That sounds amazing. Right now, we're not all together physically. I'm looking around. There's like seven people here, a lot of social distancing. You're at home. You're on your sun porch. You're on your couch. You're taking a walk. We're physically separated. And you know, emotionally, we really feel, because of all sorts of different things, we feel emotionally separate. We feel pulled apart. We feel pulled in so many directions. But I will tell you, we are all together spiritually. We are all together. Our church has done an amazing job of staying together during this time, whether this last week, whether these last weeks, whether these last months. We have seen 77 consecutive days of prayer meeting from this church. We have seen hundreds of people involved in Zoom meetings, Bible studies, reading their Bible. There have been people who have been reading their Bible literally for the first time ever during this time, and we're supporting them, we're working together, we're encouraging, we're walking together, we're being unified. We've seen amazing things. We've seen families partner together. We've seen new relationships come together. We've seen new marriages. We've seen all sorts of amazing things in our community because God is working, God is with us, and we are spiritually together. So maybe we're not physically together in one room like the disciples were on that Pentecost day, but spiritually God is with us and we are together, and we need to remember that. Like the disciples, we are on a journey. So we're calling our message today The Journey, not because of Journey the Band. Yes, we do need that Don't Stop Believing in our life. But we are on a journey together. We are in the process of going through so many things, so many parts of our life. Some of us, I'm a new dad. That's a journey. We've got people celebrating 35 years of marriage. That's a journey. We have so much unrest in our life and we have work to do. That's a journey. In all sorts of ways, we understand that life is a journey and we cannot be complacent. We cannot stay right where we are and just be like, this is where I am for the rest of my life. That's not what it means to be a disciple. To be a disciple means to look at Christ and to want to be more like Christ and say, I understand that this world is flawed. This world has imperfections. This world is this world, but God is perfect. And I understand that I need to not become more like the world. I need to move on my journey of my life to being more like Christ. I need to receive sanctification and become more like him in my heart, in my family, in my community, in my world, in my job, with my daughter Ruby, as a pianist, and the same thing for you. Each of us needs to understand that we are not static. We're in a journey. But there's three things we're going to see in this text about this journey, and they're really important, and they're so applicable, not only to the disciples, but to us today. Number one, and this is hard, we experience disrupting winds. Look in the text, verse two, 
And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. You know, right now we face winds. If you've ever been in a windstorm, if you've ever seen a tornado, if you've ever been in a hurricane or seen a hurricane, you know the power of winds, what winds do. Winds can just rip things apart. But I really got thinking and praying about what winds do. And yes, we feel winds in our lives. We're feeling disruptions. I like to think of this as a disrupting wind that they experience on Pentecost, and we experience that too. But think of what winds do. They don't really add something that there was before. They move things away, and they reveal what is there. If you go to a place where a tornado happens, it rips things apart. It maybe moves things around a little, but it rips them apart and shows what's already there. And then we know we have work to do. In our lives, when we experience winds and storms and disruptions, we know that it's not adding anything that wasn't already there. It's exposing what was there, and we have work to do. Disrupting winds reveal what is already below the surface and show us that it's time to get working. They're uncomfortable. You know, the idea of the winds of change, that sounds great until we go through it. The winds of change can sound like, wow, that's amazing. I, I want the winds of change in my life. No, we don't. I mean, yeah, long term, but when we're going through it, they're uncomfortable. The disrupting winds are uncomfortable. I think of a couple disrupting winds that have happened. When Laura and I, Laura's my wife, when Laura and I were get ready to have our first child, Ruby, our only child, but we love Ruby, um, when we were getting ready to have her, you know, we experienced a disrupting wind of third trimester pregnancy complications and a preterm delivery. Now, that didn't really create new problems. It revealed the fact that we already knew that we had work to do in our marriage. We had work to do as disciples. We had work to do in order to become Christian parents and really be ready to raise a girl loving Christ and being able to move forward. I love to think about the story of Jonah. You know, if you think in the Old Testament, Jonah... He experiences this wind and gets thrown off a boat, swallowed up by a fish, thrown on land, etc. But he already had work to do. He already had a call from God. He was running from the winds. They only revealed what was already there. And winds are not only just fine, okay, or even good. Winds can be bad. Winds can be disruptive and winds can be awful. I think of what's going on in these last few months with virus and with COVID, coronavirus, however we want to call it, pandemic, we already had work to do with public health. We already had work to do with infrastructure. We already had work to do with division. The disrupting winds of pandemic simply revealed what was already there and shows us that we have work to do. And of course, and it's awful, but what's going on right now in our country this past week and even right now, those disruptions... That's not a new thing. We have had work to do because there is racism in our country, in our communities. And it was already there. It's not like it's new. It's not like, oh, that was added this past week. It was already there. These disruptions have revealed what's there and showed us that we have work to do. And that's the situation the disciples found them in on Pentecost. They were given a few weeks before the Great Commission by Christ. They knew they had work to do. The Great Commission is this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. They knew they had that work. 
this wind comes in and disrupts, but they still knew what they needed to do. What about each of us today? What winds are disrupting our lives that show us what's already there, that show us what we have to work on and how we can move forward? I think of this. You know, I'm a teacher. My wife's a teacher. Um, Julianne's waving at me. Julianne is a teacher-to-be. Um, you're spectacular, and we're so excited for you to do your beginning of your teaching in the fall. It's going to be amazing. There are some of us who are professional teachers, but our culture, our society is being asked to teach at home. That's a disrupting wind. And you can say, you know, David, you've got a seven-month-old. You don't know what it's like. I've got four kids at home, and we get one Chromebook from the school, and it's ridiculous, and there's no time. I hear you. I totally agree. The winds, the disruption show us that we have work to do. We have work to do with our education system. We also have work to do with our families, myself included. These winds have showed us that modeling behaviors matter so much. If we want our children to pray, we need to pray, and they need to see us praying. If we want our children to love reading, we need to maybe take a break from the TV and read in front of them, with them, Modeling behavior is so powerful. If we want our kids to be studious and they walk in and we're just playing video games and they're like, can I just watch you play video games? And you're like, no, go do your homework. The problem is, is that the disrupting wind just shows us we have work to do on modeling. Disrupting winds reveal what's already there. But here's our next lesson that we get on Pentecost in this message. They provide the opportunity to look for God's fire. Let's look at the third verse here. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. God's fire is his presence. That's what God's fire is. When we, when we think of God's fire, we remember that God is with us. Fire does so many things, and fire from God refines us. It shows us that God's with us, that we're able to follow him. It protects us. It validates us. It anoints, it empowers us. God shows up in our lives. In our moments where we're feeling disrupted, God shows up. In our moments where we feel confused and lost and chaotic and, and concerned, God shows up. In the moments where we're unwilling to listen to anyone, God shows up. He says, hey, David, calm down. Listen, take a breath. It's all good. Maybe it's not all good, but calm down and we can see change. The believers at Pentecost knew what was going on. When this fire came, they understood scripture, and they knew what was happening. And I want us to, to look at this, maybe for the first time, maybe this is a review, but think of the scriptural significance of God's fire showing up. A, a murderer a murderer runs off into the wilderness. He is, he is the child of two families. He feels rejected by both. He runs off into the wilderness. I'm never coming back. I'm, I'm vanishing. I'm going. And he's confronted by a burning bush and a voice that says, I am that I am. That's a story of Moses. A, a wayward people finally barely free, scraping away, unarmed, concerned, confused, flees out of Egypt doesn't know where to go, wanders in the desert, and they're led by a literal pillar of fire. And we'll see that in this next slide right here. They're led by a literal pillar of fire, and that's God showing up directly in their lives. That's the 
Israelites coming out of Egypt. There's a, a really great visionary man. He's amazing, but he's subject to a hostile takeover. And suddenly, everything that seemed one way is another way, and everything that seemed true is false in his society. But, but finally, he has this showdown on a mountain with these false people, and God shows up, and despite all sorts of efforts to sabotage, God shows up in a mighty way and prevails. That's the story of Elijah. Or maybe you know this one. A couple of young dreamers, they're, they're just, they're idealistic, and they say, you know what, we're not going to compromise. We're not going to bow down. We're not going to give in. We're not going to settle. We're going to stand up for what we believe in. And they're thrown into a fire, a fiery furnace, and a fourth figure appears, and they're unharmed. That's, of course, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so those disciples that day understood what was going on. And when those tongues of fire come down, they get that even though they were fickle, even though they were feisty, even though they were willful, remember they had just cast dice to replace Judas. You know, later on in the book of Acts, Christ calls another disciple. He, he, he directly calls Paul, but they don't wait for God's timing. They say, we're going to cast dice and we're going to figure it out ourselves. But even those people still had God with them. Even those people still had Christ leading in their lives. What about us? If Jesus is still leading the disciples after casting dice to replace Judas, do we look for God to show up in our lives? Do we wait? Do we pause? Do we take a moment? Do we breathe? Do we pray? Do we fast? Do we listen? Or do we just run around and do we just say, I'm going to fix it. I got this. The I got this mentality gets us so into trouble. We need to wait and let God show up in our lives. That doesn't mean do nothing. That means pause and pray and fast and listen and be open. Because I will tell you, right now, we're seeing that division is a cancer in our society. We're seeing that division is a cancer in our families. We're seeing division is a cancer in our communities, in our world, in our nation. But that's why we have a core value of Faith Community Church, growing relationships. Growing relationships means that we get to know each other, that we listen to each other. We right now have a world that it feels like our world is on fire. It feels like, what is going on? It feels like everything is upside down. We have amazing people in our community that have had very real experiences that we need to listen to. Not that we need to go up to them and talk and tell them our point of view. We need to stop and we need to listen. We need to wait. We need to hear. We need to be open to the Holy Spirit leading, to God guiding us, and to the fact that if we work together and if we grow in our relationships together, we're going to be stronger because we're together. Listening is a brave thing because it's so easy to dismiss what's on the TV. But when we have a relationship with someone, that's a lot harder to dismiss. It's a lot harder to say, oh, whatever, if that's our pal, if that's someone we care about. And so we are called to work together, to grow in relationships together. And I will tell you, in our lives... We see 
that not only do we look for God's fire, but that Pentecostal fire stirs something new. And here's what we need to do. We need to receive what the Holy Spirit provides. Let's look at verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God provides objectives in our lives. God provides calls in our lives. You know, so often we think that we look around and we're like, yeah, that's, uh, that's it's great that you're called, but me, I'm just one little guy. I'm doing my thing. The problem is, is that we are all called. We all are on journeys. It's not just the job of your, your pastors and your leaders to be on journeys. We are all on the journey together. We are all called to be disciples. We are all called to make disciples. We are all called to resist the world and to become more like Christ. We are all called to be peacemakers. We are all called to listen. We are all called to pray. We are all called to move forward. We are not a people who some are called and others just have to be there. That's not the deal with being a follower of Christ. All of us have to receive what the Holy Spirit provides for each of us, for the journey, for where we're at. The Holy Spirit is one of the most misunderstood things, I think, in, in Christianity. We're like, we get who God the Father is. We get who Jesus is. I mean, maybe we, we make some mistakes. We tend, to, we tend to kind of see Jesus as another version of ourselves, but that's a whole other discussion. But but we have a pretty good idea of who Christ is and what he's done for us and what he calls us to do. We have a pretty good idea of God the Father's unconditional love and grace for us. That Holy Spirit is elusive. It's a little different. You know, the Holy Spirit is a counselor. The Holy Spirit is a helper. The Holy Spirit is an encourager. The Holy Spirit literally on this day of Pentecost came down like a dove, like a dove, like a dove, came down, and dwells within our hearts. And so I like to think of this. You know, I, I use this example of if you're going through a situation in your life, who do you receive counsel from? Who do you receive help from? Who do you listen to? Who is at the table of your life? Are you letting people with agendas that are totally different and take you in a million different directions? Or are you listening to the people who are going to have your back and have the same values as you and also be pursuing Christ and moving on. But I will tell you, not only do we need to listen to the right Christian people and the right believers, we have to also listen to that urging of the Holy Spirit from within us. Because that Holy Spirit is there as a counselor, as a guide. The disciples had a job to do, and they needed to receive what the Holy Spirit was providing for them for that specific task. What about for us? Do we let the Holy Spirit speak in our lives today? It's really hard to listen. Do we? Are we open to it? The disciples start as an unequipped people who have this amazing task of go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Okay, problem. All nations. You've got a bunch of guy who, guys who speak maybe like one or two languages. All nations means all nations, all languages. Problem there. But now on Pentecost, they receive the ability not only to speak, but to be heard and to be understood in different languages. And that is what they needed for where they were in their journey. You know, I think of in my life, 
There was a time when I was a 19-year-old kid, and I just needed a buddy. I needed a mentor. I needed someone who was going to be my pal, show me how to walk with Christ, but just accept me. And so the Holy Spirit led me and urged me. A friend of mine said, hey, we got we to meet this guy. You'll love him. He's great. We're going to go out and get some Irish food. It's going to be great. Um, and we're going to go meet him. I want you to meet him. He's going to be great on your life. And I was led, and I met this guy, Simon, who was a pastor of mine. And Simon, you know, it, it's not that he was perfect. It's that he saw in me someone who could be a leader. At that point in my life, I needed someone who was going to care about me and be my buddy and allow me to move forward. And he was there for me. I needed a mentor. The disciples needed the ability to speak in different languages. I needed someone to just say, hey, let's do this walk together. What is it that you need today as you continue on your journey? Are we open to receiving what's given, our needs, or are we just holding out for our wants? Because I, I will tell you, the Holy Spirit's probably not going to urge you to wait for a lottery ticket. The Holy Spirit is going to nudge us and move us in a way where we can really move forward. And you know, sometimes we can think like, oh, that's great. This is all so hypothetical. Well, let me give you a, a practical example. In a very small way, if it's happened to me, I know it's going to happen to you or it has happened to you. Of just what happens when we're open to seeing that disruptions happen, if we're open to letting God lead and following the nudge of the Holy Spirit. This past week, every single time I sat down to write this message for Pentecost, I experienced a disruption. Something small, maybe something with church, maybe something with my seven-month-old, maybe something I needed to do um, so desperately in my backyard, maybe something I had to do with my job as a teacher, no matter what it was, I kept experiencing disruptions and kept me going, going, going. And finally, comes the Saturday morning, and I've got like two points on my computer at the most, and I should be panicking. But I have this weird sense of peace, and I'm like, you know what? I've, I felt this nudging, like the Holy Spirit was kind of just saying, David, it's cool, it's fine, you are planning on going run. I've been running recently. You're planning on going running, just go run, it's going to be fine. So I did. And I was all excited. I was like, it's going to be good. We're going to be great. I felt awful. Okay. My legs were like, oh, it was super bad. But I keep going. I keep going. I keep going. I'm walking. I'm limping. Finally, I get to this spot. And I want to show you this spot right by my house. It's a cranberry bog right by my house. I get to this spot. And I'm like, you know what? I felt like it was just, it was a good idea to run today. I'm just going to slowly run and that's going to be okay. And I'm doing what we in high school called the Susie Shuffle. So I'm doing like this. There's me. But that's probably faster than what I was doing. And so I'm, I'm just doing a lap, and I feel pretty good. And then I stop and pause. And I do something I've never done before on a run or when I write a sermon. I pulled out, because I was in a very prayerful posture the whole time, pull out my phone, and I just write down an idea that I have about the message. Then I do another lap, and I keep doing this. And it's not that I'm given some sort of necessarily like some direct from God divine message. The Holy Spirit knew I just needed uninterrupted time. And so that's what we need to understand. The Holy Spirit will give us what we need. We just have to receive it. I didn't need someone to directly tell me what to say. I needed uninterrupted time. The disciples 
didn't need someone to do the work for them of evangelizing. They just needed tongues. They needed the ability to be understood. What about us today? What do we need to do? What do we need to receive from the Holy Spirit? And so I want us to really think of this. We're committed to being faith community church, community church. We are here for our community. We've been urged to pray, to fast, to listen. Are we listening? Are we open to the Spirit leading and guiding us? Are we open to the nudging? Are, are we able to say, you know what? I'm going to take a breath, and if, if I just need to take that run, I'm going to take that run. And allow the Holy Spirit to give us what we need for each part of the journey. So I, I want to ask you this as we conclude. Disruptioning winds happen in our lives. We experience those disruptions. Do we realize that the disruptions reveal what was already there and show us that we have work to do? And that God is leading us. God is literally providing his fire in our, in our lives. That he shows up. That he is there. God is with us. In this time, it's so easy to think, oh, God's not with me. No. Fire show that God shows up in our lives. provides us that way forward, provides us the ability to listen. And so today, I just, we don't have easy answers. We can't solve pandemics. We can't solve unrest. We can't solve racism ourselves just right now in this moment. But what we can do is we can allow God to guide us. We can allow the Holy Spirit to nudge us, and we can slow down. We can listen. We can pray. Because our lives are journeys. And they're not over yet. This isn't the end. We need to continue and move down that road. So let's pray together. You know, Father, I just thank you so much for the fact that you continue to work and move in our lives, in our hearts, in our community. We know that you are doing amazing things. We know that the miracle doesn't happen at the end of the pandemic. The miracle can happen right now. The miracle could be a miracle of peace, a miracle of listening, a miracle of being open. A miracle of me not having my opinion, but just walking into a conversation and saying, hey, I'd love to listen to you. I'd love to just pause and be open to what you have to say. I care about you, and I want to hear from you, and I want to learn from you. I don't want to blame everyone else. I want to say, you know, I, I too have a role, and I want to be open to being part of a solution. And God, you know, maybe that solution is us praying. Maybe that solution we don't know yet. But God, I ask that you would just continue to lead us to be people open to that solution, open to seeing your fire in our lives and that nudging from the Holy Spirit and being open to the direction you're calling us. We pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Fear is changing now. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around. The Spirit.
pray together. You know, Father, you call us not to solve problems ourselves, but to rely on you to show up in our lives. You call us to follow the nudging of your spirit. You call us to not see that we can be the hero, that we can be the great fixer, but you have the solution. Whether it's in the problem in my heart, in my community, in my family, in my nation, in my world, no matter what it is, it's not that I will be the solution, but you have the solution and you will be the healer. We know that you are working. We know that you are moving and we know that this too can just be part of the journey. And we ask that we would not be people being fine with being silent, being complacent, but that you would urge each of us to hurry up and pray, to hurry up and fast, to hurry up and listen. And be open to growing relationships with each other and really finding ways to have the tough conversations, to listen, to move forward, and to be peacemakers. So we pray this all in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go now in peace. And have a wonderful week. Take care. <laughs>